go ahead and move into our third and final session. But first, I want to draw your attention on each of the tables. We've got these handouts. And this is just a snapshot of some of the things happening with New Life Men. I know as you're sitting with other men at your table and having conversations, uh, you're probably thinking, this is good. I think I need more of this. And uh, so this is just designed to give you a taste of what it's like to sit with other godly men and share relationship and build friendship together. And so we've got, uh, we've got fire teams that are meeting all over the city. These are our men's small groups. And most groups are between four and seven guys. And the whole purpose of it is, hey, let's be intentional as men to do what Dave is talking about. Let's walk together with other men. Let's grow in our relationship with God together. And so uh, those groups are listed online. You can go online and take a look at what we have. I know we have uh, some of our fire team leaders uh, who are here this morning. And so actually, if you're one of our fire team leaders and you're here, just raise your hand so we can look around the room and see who's, who's leading. So we've got quite a few of the guys who are here today, but I encourage you as we approach 2020, uh, take a look at what's available and lean in, engage with a group of guys, and I guarantee by the end of 2020 you'll be better off because of your intentionality as you engage with other men. Another really easy way to meet some, uh, some of the fire team leaders is to attend uh, a series that we have coming up in January called The Righteous Man. So twice a year we'll do three-week series for men. And so if you've been tracking with us, you know that we've done, uh, we've done the Spirit-Led Man series. We've done the Spirit-Empowered Man. We've done the Anchored Man, the Kingdom Man. So in January, uh, we're going to do the Righteous Man. And I think it's more important than ever for us as men to have some honest conversations about some of the challenges to walk in righteousness in a world that's declared war on the righteous man. And uh, sex is used to sell everything. We know that, right? And so we need each other. We need, we need to walk together. We need to have honest conversations uh, about what does it look like to walk as a righteous man in today's day and age. And so the dates are going to be January 29th, and then we'll skip uh, first Wednesday, and then we'll come back with February 12th and February uh, 19th. This room will be packed with men. We'll worship. We'll dig into the scriptures. It's going to be life-giving. It's not, going to be, it's not going to be shaming. It's going to be life-giving, and I want you to be a part of it. And so uh, save those dates, January 29th, then February 12th, and February 19th, and, and join us for The Righteous Man. Okay, we're going to close out this morning with a conversation. And you, you heard from Dave. Wasn't that, wasn't that beautiful? Wasn't that rich, what he had to share? I was sitting there thinking... <laughs> I was just sitting there thinking, this is holy ground to have the opportunity to, to hear Dave's heart and what the Father has been speaking into his life over the last year. So Dave, thank you for your, uh, just the strength and the courage you showed just to be honest with the men. And so uh, I'm going to ask Dave some questions, and this is Todd Anderson. Many of you know Todd. He's another one of the men uh, here in our church that if you ask him about his business resume, it's really impressive. But again, like Dave, he doesn't spend a lot of time talking about his resume. But just to give you uh, just some of the key, key points of his experience is he was the president of Challenger Homes. Uh, for about 10 years. He's been in the home building business for 35 years. He's the president of the Home Builders Association here in Colorado Springs, and I could go on and on and on. He's currently, he has a, a consulting company, 
but one of the things that's evident about Todd as you sit with him is he's got a, a deep and authentic love for Jesus, and he's the man I greatly respect. So did I miss anything? Oh, and he, uh, he raised triplets too. So, and he doesn't have gray hair. How did that work? No, you raised triplets, and you, you didn't have... <laughs> it's falling out, he says. And so um, th- these are both great men, and I just wanted to give them an opportunity just to share their heart and share some wisdom on some different topics. One of the things I want to ask you about right off the bat is you are both men who spend a lot of time mentoring younger leaders. You guys are very intentional to carve out time and, and come alongside other leaders and, and mentor them and coach them and invest into them. And so my first question uh, to you is what do you most often find yourself saying to younger leaders as you sit with them and mentor them? Todd, do you want to start? Sure. I think, uh, and I meet with a dozen or so guys, uh, and it's not a real program thing. I grew up as a new believer at the University of Wisconsin in the Navigator Ministry. And if you know anything about the NAVs, they have a plan for everything. It's all dialed in, and this is what you do in a man-to-man, and this is how you make disciples. And it was so helpful, and I'm grateful for the 400-plus scriptures I memorized during that season in my life because the Holy Spirit brings them to mind when I'm meeting with guys, and it ends up being a thing that they may need. But the thing is, I've uh, the last decade, as I've met with these younger guys, uh, I hear in some form or fashion of, man, I feel behind. I feel this pressure. Like there's this perfect guy who's got all of his crap together. He's out there, but he's not real. He's a composite of all these other guys, right? And his 401k is funded. His kid's education thing is going good. His marriage is online, you know, all this stuff. But it's not real. And and so there's this pressure that I hear out of them of, I got to get something going, I got to make a name for myself, I got to make some money, and it's like, I got to feel this thing right now, right? Any of you feeling this in the room here? Yeah, and it's universal, so welcome. It's a good group that you're in, but settle down is one of the things I hear myself saying. Give them permission and start to view the world in a decade, not in a year, in a quarter, or this week, that what could you do like what Dave and Melton were suggesting in terms of your union with Christ that a decade from now, and so what I'm doing is a mental thing is if I can get this guy to move one or two degrees in a decade, he'll be in a whole nother orbit than we, where he's going right now. Okay, so I'm not looking at existential flexibility where it's a 180 degree thing that I'm trying to get out of this, you know, meeting at Panera or Starbucks. It's what would it take to move him one or two degrees closer to a kingdom view? That's good. That's good, Todd, as always. <laughs> Love it. Um, I, I would probably um, piggyback on that a little bit and say that I think the thing that I often experience with other men, and not just young men, is, is that there's no margin in life. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just going at a rat's pace, you know, and I, you know, you we talked about this in, in our group recently. Um, and there's this sort of idea that I've got this spiritual life and then I've got all the other stuff that's keeping me from God. And I just don't have the space in the morning to get up 
and get dialed in with God, and then I go off and my my day happens. And I, and I think there's some there's there's some fallacies in all of that. One is that all the stuff that's going on in your life has nothing to do with God is not true because God's involved in all that's going on. And so where are you looking for God? Not just in the morning hour or whatever you want to call it with your coffee, but throughout the day. Um, And then I think to just to create margin, like to create it, and it doesn't have to be a week or a weekend or a day or half a day or an hour. It's five minutes it's two minutes. It's, it's pausing, pausing before you walk into a meeting and say, God, I'm, I, I lean into you, you know, to just bring, invite God who is there, but to bring your spirit into, into alignment with the fact that God's involved in all aspects of your life and all, in all of your day. So just the idea of fighting for margin in your life when this place out here is crazy. That's... I find we often talk about that. Yeah, and fighting is a key word there, right? It doesn't come easy. You got to fight. You got to fight for it. I love what you were saying, Dave, about your frontier was to love Sue better, more deeply. And I think one of the challenges for any man who's navigating the business world and success and and go 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 is is that balance between how do I be a good husband and a good father and how do I still be a good businessman or leader? How have you guys navigated that? How, what were some of the things that you put in place? What were some of the choices that you made to make sure that as you were successful in business that you didn't, that you didn't blow up your family along the way? Yeah. Well, I think the whole topic of ambition is a big deal, right? Because uh, God's given us this energy. He's gifted us this creativity, the drive, the passion, and all that. And so uh, harnessing that, which is uh, really the word meekness, you know, when Jesus uh, describes himself, he says, I am meek, which isn't weak. It's this strength under restraint. And so I've had to intentionally say, well, where am I running out way ahead of my skis on this thing? Uh, where and I've done it I'm not talking about a guy who's got this one figured out I I never find and stay in the balance I'm moving through that balance from one extreme to another and I've got a wife who is not shy about telling me that and it's served me well for almost 30 years of hey you're not you know doing well in this area right now whether it's intentional time with the kids date night couch time schedule you know and so for 30 years you know but we are making it we've committed to do this and one thing I wanted to offer up that's been a neat practice that we've done for 30 years is sometime between Christmas and New Year's Barb and I will go away for at least one night and two days and we'll do our planning retreat. We do our budget summit. We figure out where we want to do a vacation, what guests we want to invite, what guests we want to not invite in the coming year. And, you know, reflect on the last year. What were the wins? What were the, you know, struggles that we had? And that's at least once a year. I feel like, man, we've laid out a course together. And we talk about, you know, my business, things she's involved in, and all that kind of stuff. That's super helpful. Now, Every one of those meetings, we say, boy, we should do a mid-year checkup on this thing, okay? In 30 years, I can count on one hand the number of times that I've actually done that well and led that, right? But
But still, the faithfulness of God when we come around to this year, and we've got our time scheduled to go away, it's amazing. Like 80% of the stuff that we wrote down for goals and desires and plans for us individually, us as a couple, and our kids happened. It's just the coolest deal. So I would offer that up as a real practical thing of how do you get in sync with your wife and listen to her and what it is that that because her battle is very different than your battle, no doubt about it. Yeah. Gabe, I'd I'd say um, like you know how do you love your life wife better, balance it with work. Um, there is a there is a lot of years in my life, a lot of decades, where that was just hard work. That was just striving to, uh, you know, I should do this, but I really don't want to. So I'd, I'd come back to sort of what I was talking about, about, you know, receiving the invitation to be a son and living in that. Yeah. Because it's by, it's, it was through my choice to accept that that was where God was going with me to, to be a son and to father me, that he was able to transform me so that, that my love for Sue was genuine it was natural it was the best thing i wanted to do I, there was no no question about it. it it wasn't this fight to choose what to do right it was just natural and so i just come back to like continuing to walk and being a son and and the invitation of the father to lead you into that and to transform you so that you can love others better and you can step into your job it comes back to that the feather thing, that's not the right word for that stuff, but it's, I'm not a bow hunt. Bow. It's, you know, who are, who are you becoming? Because who you're becoming is how you're going to impact your world and your, and your family and be truly who God meant intended you to be. That is so rich. And when I hear you talk about that, it, it goes back to the idea of alignment. Because I know some of you might be in a season where you're trying to figure out what is God doing? Here I am, I feel like I'm beating my head against the wall with my job and my career, trying to make things work. And God, where are you and what are you doing? One of the things we know for sure God is doing is he's, he's loving uh, your wife and wanting to love your wife through you and wanting to love my wife through me. So anytime as a man, I say, okay, I may have some confusion about what God is doing in these areas, but I'm not confused that he's wanting to love Ashley and he calls me to do that. So when I choose to love my wife. I'm in alignment with what God is, is doing in that area. So I want to ask you guys about decision making. I think this is another uh, category that all of us as leaders, we have to navigate. We have to, we have to try to figure out what uh, are the best decisions to make. And we all face difficult decisions. And so what are some, I'd love to hear your wisdom on this. What are some examples over the years as you guys reflect, you say, oh, I missed that, and I got that one right. And what have you learned about the art of making difficult decisions? Uh, so I, I, I think over this last year, I've, I've started to step more into just this rhythm, unforced rhythm that it talked about there in that Matthew chat, that Matthew verse. There isn't a decision that needs to be forced with God. There's always a decision that just comes, that it is the right one. So I've been leaning into that, for one thing. Um, but I'd also say, uh, add to that, that there's a, lot of, there's a lot of time in my life where I just force the decision. You know, like, I'm the head of the house, I'll decide. <laughs> 
And that just doesn't go very well. Like, that's not, you know, you can even justify it with some scripture if you want to, but it's just not, it, it's not love. It's not. So um, an, an example of that that, that I, f- I feel really satisfied about was, um, I mean, I think it's even a few years ago, a couple years ago, I had this idea of buying a van and fitting it out. And it was going to be an adventure van for Sue and I. And um, I presented this idea to her. But I, I decided, and some of you guys know me, know this story, but I, I decided that I'm not going to do this on my own. I mean, in the past, we got the money, buy a van, just this is the way it's going. Sue will get on board at some point. But I said, nope, I, I'm, this is for us. I'm going to do it for us. And I want both her and I to have a green light on it. Like, so I presented it to her and never getting there, never getting there. Like months go by, like, how you doing on the van? Uh, still a yellow light. At one point in time, we're sitting at the table and she swears at me. <laughs> and if you know, she was like, what? She just, you know, well, I don't want the dumb van, you know. I could be dying. I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah. So I, I waited on that for a long time, but I was convinced that I'm not going to make this. This is going to be something we do together. And, um, and just being patient, waiting on God with that, and being, being okay that, like, I'm okay with where that decision is going to go, too. I think that's, that's one thing I'd add. It's like when you're making a decision and you're asking God about it, you have to be open to him saying yes or no or wait. You cannot be forcing what you want God to do. And I was okay with not having the van. Well, my birthday, we were in Salida, sitting at a restaurant, and um, she said, you want your birthday present? I'm like, don't bring it out in the, in the restaurant. <laughs> like, that's embarrassing. <laughs> then she pulls out this little card. I got it sitting on my desk that says, your, your, your present is a green light to go ahead with our adventure van. I can't wait. I mean, the whole story's changed, right? But still, I'm so thrilled that regardless of what happened with Sue and her life and what's transpired here, I didn't force that thing. We, I'm so glad we didn't have a van while we were married and she was still around. Yeah, I, I think uh, part of the filter I use on the decision is, you know, try to project what is the fruit of this? Is the fruit of this decision going to be life peace, joy. Uh, sometimes it's the fruit of this decision is going to be I'm letting this person go because I just can't deal with the hassle of this person anymore, the trail of bodies that they leave behind because Jesus loves you, but everybody else thinks you're an a-hole, you know, kind of thing. Uh, and those are difficult, right? Especially if that person is a high performer, but they lack the character to be able to help the team go forward. And I, I think those are the things I've wrestled with the most in my career. But every time I do make those decisions and get the green light to go forward, and I think that's what's so key, like what Dave shared about paying attention to those whispers of the Holy Spirit and saying, yeah, this is a really hard one. And I think it's the other thing that's so key. Terrence is here. Uh, we've been in a men's group together uh, for 12 years, some of the guys we've been together for 15 years. When you're with a group of guys that 
meets weekly and you're pouring into each other's life over a decade period of time and you know each other's stories and you've gotten away for some man camp or whatever else your hiking trip and you're talking about frontier and those most of the guys our age that i meet the large majority of them are doing it alone and so they don't have any filter to be able to say hey give me some insight on this thing and that thing might be marriage it might be kids it might be business you know 12 years ago, we were at a man camp. We were kidding around one morning about, I wonder what our kids are going to be in counseling for 10 years from now. <laughs> you know, Because we were just talking about how we feel we fall short as dads so often, right? Well, now it's 10 years later, and some of our kids are in counseling for those things. And that he we has talk triplets. About. I mean, that's, a, that's an expensive counseling bill. <laughs> yeah, can be, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think those two things have been super helpful for me is, the, the listening to the Holy Spirit because he will speak if you don't put this deadline and pressure and all that and having other brothers that know you well enough to be able to say you know what that's baloney you know and be giving them permission to speak into you and say that stuff has just been so helpful for me as a as a guy that's really rich and I've got just one one last question for you guys uh, as I sit with men, oftentimes one of the themes is they'll say, Gabe, I, you know, I'm thankful for my job. I'm thankful for the paycheck. Uh, but I don't know if this is what God wants me to do. I'm kind of confused. Is, am, am I in the right place? And so that question comes up over and over again. What would you guys say to a man who's wrestling with that to say, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for my job, but I feel like there, I'm missing something. There's got to be more than this. Yeah, yeah I you know, this is my story. Uh, Fifteen years ago, I left a very well-paying job in the Midwest where I was with the company for 19 years, and there was nothing wrong with it. And I just had these undeniable tugs from the Holy Spirit that you're moving from Indiana to Colorado. And, you know, there were a handful of people that were like, man, you're an idiot. You know, you've got this great job, and why are you doing this? And yet, it's been the best thing for me as a guy and for my wife and for my kids to be out here but it's not been without uh trouble either and so you know we did it as a journey of our hearts that the midwest if anyone here from the midwest i mean they're great people right i mean we are loyal faithful dutiful tips techniques you know all this stuff but the heart doesn't have to go along on that journey you know, it's just fine because we're measuring ourselves more by what we don't do than what we do do, you know. And uh, I was just longing for more in my own spiritual journey. And so, yeah, I think that's a, a real key thing. And I'm grateful to be able to go out there and pay attention to that. I think one of the exercises for me has been the journaling experience where, you know, I'm just jotting some notes here and there. I'm not faithful daily diary kind of thing. But as I look back over a year of things, where is the Spirit stirring something in me that might be a change? And, and for me, God uses music. I think music is the back door to the soul. And so not only do I have these scriptures memorized thanks to the navs, I've got thousands of songs that are stuck in my jukebox. And... You know, I'll just be sitting there and some lyric comes along and God will be using it to awaken something in me of like, wow, like 
Cheryl Crow, a change will do you good. You know, what, where's this coming from, you know? Or the pretenders, back on the chain gang, you know? <laughs> and this is how God interacts with me in a very playful way in, with his spirit to where, okay, I better pay attention to this. And then, you know, certainly giving it some time and not, because otherwise I'd be impossible to live with. Right now I'm just in the very difficult category. But, you know, bouncing that off of brothers and off a of barb of, what are you hearing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You made your kids listen to Cheryl Crow, so they are going to need counseling, for sure. No doubt about for it. For sure. <laughs> what would you say, Dave? Um, I, there's a couple of things I think about there with your job. One, one is, is for you to recognize that there is no raw material that is wasted on God. And what I mean by that is there's no job, there's no situation, there's no failure, there's no bad job that God's not going to pick up and use at some point in your life. Mm -hmm. So learn, particularly as you're young, learn, be open to learn. There's always, there's always going to be a bad boss. And, um, you know, we've probably all heard this before, but learn. Like, what does that look like? So that, you know, you're not going to be that kind of boss. Um, the second thing is that um, there's always a bigger story than your job. There's always a bigger adventure involved. And I would, I would ask and look for what that is. You know, what is God calling, into, calling you into in the midst of a job that is maybe not suiting everything you want? And then the final thing is that the perfect job is not out there. And uh, the kingdom will eventually fully come, and we will be a part of it, but not yet. And uh, so be okay with the partial. Be okay with it's not everything I want, but it's where I am. And you won't be there forever either. So, uh, One more thought, too, is uh, this year I've been spending some time in Second Corinthians, the first few four chapters or so. And he talks a lot about glory in there. And a lot of times we talk about original sin, but we don't talk about original glory. And this idea that your uniqueness, this way that God made you as an individual, a thing that turns your crank, that's unique to you, it's his print. It's what he has you here on earth for. And I think in my 20s and 30s, I kind of was like, I don't really like that part about me because it felt weird and odd and different than anybody else. I wasn't into the conformity, and in the Midwest, conformity is what it's all about. Just get in line, you know, don't make waves and all this. And, and so now in my 50s, I'm starting to finally enjoy those unique elements about me. And as I'm mentoring these young leaders, say, you chase that thing down because that is that treasure the pearl of great price that God has deposited into you and if you can get in tune and figure that out sooner than in your 50s it's better to live out of that than okay well I gotta do this and I gotta do that and I gotta stay late and all this stuff no you gotta do what that thing is that God has deposited into you that makes you come alive the most because then you're a lot of fun to be around too yeah, that's a good way to end. Would you close by praying that over the men? I think that would be a powerful way to close. Yeah. 
Father, you uh, say that we have this treasure in common peanut butter jars. And we want you to have the glory, God, and not have it for ourselves. And so we give you that. We submit ourselves as sons and co-heirs with Christ. And we pray that you would empower us to live differently, to think differently, and be lights to this world gone mad around us. Pray, Lord, that uh, your spirit would fill us and that we would see this idea that our work is our highest act of worship and that as we're in tune with what you are doing in our lives, that we would see you working in front of us and with us and through us and that there would be a difference. God, show us your glory in us. Help us to get in touch with that. Bless these guys now. Bless us all as we go forth into this day. Thanks for this time. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen.